Feel good to be back in service. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, yes. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen. You know, the Bible mentioned about David, about he was a powerful king and he was a man of God. But David wouldn't have been what he was if he didn't have some good people to back him up. And it remind me that they said that David had the son of Issachar. They knew the time, season of everything. And not only that, they could read the signs in the sky and all. Not only that, but the minds and the things of others. But more than that, they knew God. Amen. Matter of fact, it went on to say that Deborah wouldn't have been what she was, that they knew that it was time for a woman, amen, to lead. So I said that because, remind me because our pastor here, Seeing like he know how to push every one button, amen. Know the timing of everybody to put them in the right position, amen. So I thank the Lord and I ask the Lord to continue on to give him that spirit, amen. The spirit that can lead this church and to make it powerful and mighty and ask the Lord lead him, amen. So right now, we're getting ready for the word. Amen. So right now, we're going to turn it over to our pastor, Jerry C. Wright, and let him bless us today. Let everyone stand. Amen. Get your Bibles and turn to the book of Romans. The book of Romans. Romans, the first, first chapter, and I'll read verses 8 through 13. Matter of fact, I'm going to read 8 through 17. 8 through 17. Romans, first chapter, verses 8 through 17, and it reads as follows. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Always in my prayers making request, if perhaps now at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, 
that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so far, so that I may obtain some fruit among you also, even as among the rest of the Gentiles. I am under obligation. I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So for my part, I am eager to preach. I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, but the righteous man shall live by faith, if you will. Join me in a word of prayer. Father God, your word is so awesome. And it directs our path, Father. And I just ask right now that we hear from you, that we hear a word from on high, Lord, that will continue to direct us. Lord, your will be done, Father, on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated. If you all notice that this portion of scripture is coming from our Sunday school lesson, right? And I am so excited. And I'm going to tell you why I'm excited. It's coming from Romans. <laughs> the whole quarter is coming from Romans. And, and, and what's interesting is that they say that uh, John is a, the gospel of John is a pivotal book. But if it's not for the gospel of John, then guess what's next? Romans, I'm so excited that it's Romans. And I've been wanting to study Romans. And now I got a great, great excuse to study Romans. So we're gonna go into Romans and it's gonna be so good because this was so good, amen. So uh, ever so often when you have uh, the privilege to listen to children carry out verbal warfare. You, you'll hear different strategies in play, right? As they attempt to uh, secure the victory over the other. Because after all, the, the goal is to get the best of the other. Amen. And you'll hear different tactics. Tactic one, number one that you may hear. I, I call it the unending chain the unending chain. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. 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 Need I go on? Let's see. Yeah, yeah. And, and, then, and then the next tactic that you may hear, the next tactic that you may hear is I call it the, the echo. The echo. Don't do that. Don't do that. Hey, stop. Hey, stop. 
Don't repeat me. Don't repeat me. I'm telling daddy. I'm telling daddy. Here's where it stops. Daddy. And then they don't say daddy. <laughs> they stop, right? <laughs> and then here's the other tactic. Tactic three. I call this the ricochet. The ricochet, right? I'm rubber. You're glue. Everything you say bounces off me and sticks to you. Right? That's what they say. And, 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 or they'll say this. I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? Right? That's what they say. This spring quarter of our Sunday school lessons or material is titled Proclamation of the Gospel. Right? In the first four lessons, we will lay the the uh, groundwork. Amen. The scripture source, as I told you all, it'll be coming from Romans throughout this whole quarter. Now, all agree that the Apostle Paul was the author of Romans, right? Paul was the author uh, of most of the letters, matter of fact, of the New Testament. Amen. And scholars say that Romans were, was his just crown jewel. Amen. And uh, not only was it his longest book, but it was his crowning uh, jewel, so to speak. All right. All right. So this book has had profound effects on past pillars of the church, right? Uh, just to name a few, Augustine, St. Augustine and, and, and Martin Luther and Wesley. Those are just a few folks that read Romans or a portion of Romans and, and all of a sudden, you know, their lives were, were changed, amen? Matter of fact, if you read the biographical portrait of Martin Luther, you'll see that Romans, the first chapter and verse 17 was the verse that basically spiritually freed him. Amen. Because, see, the, the ideal of God's righteousness was driving him nuts. Right. He could not get how in the world could God just just put such a high standard that you cannot reach. How can he? And he was going nuts over that. And then he finally, finally, he got it. And he said, it's not talking about my righteousness. Right. It's talking about Christ's righteousness and he said and it just freed him when he finally understood it that way so once we're familiar with romans it ought to have a profound effect on us as well should be life-changing amen to us also so because romans plainly puts it like like just real simple romans is about the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? It's about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we said it from the pulpit before, and I'll say it again. The gospel is the good news, the good news about what our triune God has graciously accomplished for his people. The father's sending of the son, Jesus Christ, God incarnate to live perfectly, fulfill the law and die sacrificially, atone for our sins, satisfying God's wrath against us that we might not face a burning hell, right? And then he raises Jesus from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the gospel. 
That's the gospel. But Paul doesn't stop just at the gospel. He doesn't stop just at the gospel. No, no. He, he goes on to say that he's an evangelist. He spreads that gospel. But he doesn't stop there. He says, you are evangelists too. And we ought to spread this gospel of God. Amen. So if we needed to answer the question, <laughs> I know you are, but what am I? Then it, you should answer that for yourself and you should say, I am an evangelist. I am an evangelist. Amen. I am an evangelist. So going on, what's interesting too is that when I, I, I read this portion of scripture, and I'm going to just divert for a moment. When I read this portion of scripture, I did not know uh, Romans was, I, I knew it was a deep book, but I didn't know that it was such a personal and convicting book. <laughs> right off the bat from verse, from, from the first chapter, I've been wrestling with this and I had to just come to grips that man, okay, I, I need to, I need to notch it up a bit. I need to notch it up a bit. Amen. So last quarter, we studied the book of John and we looked at some of the I am statements of Jesus, right? I am the bread of life, right? But now today we're going to see three I am's of Paul. And most gospel preachers say this portion of scripture contains the three I am's of Paul, verse 14, right? I am obligated. <laughs> I am under obligation. Verse 15, I am ready. I am ready to preach. And of course, verse 16, I am not ashamed. The three I am's of Paul's, they ought to be our I am's as well. Amen. Because Paul is basically saying, if we mush these three together, he's saying you are an evangelist. Therefore, you are obligated to be ready to preach the gospel unashamed. That's what he's telling us. You are an evangelist. We, we are evangelists. And therefore, we're obligated to be ready to preach the gospel unashamed. Wow right? So Paul challenges us once again, as I tell you, as I told you, he challenges us to answer the question for ourselves. If we're saying, I know, I know you are, but what am I? If we answer that for ourselves, we ought to say evangelists. We are an evangelist, right? Amen. So Paul did not plant the Roman church. Most believe that after hearing Peter's message on the Pentecost, right? Some believers went back to Rome and began a church. Amen. And uh, by any human standards, Rome was the worst place to go and plant a church. By human standards, <laughs> Rome was the worst place because Rome was vile. It, I mean, there was about a million people there, I read, and it was foul. 
I mean, foul. Everything was going on. Unclean cesspool. That's what one preacher called it. It was an unclean cesspool. Everything was going on. Vile acts, you name it. But yet, God chose it to be a place where a church, a faithful church, would be planted. Amen. At the capital city of the most powerful nation on the planet at that time, a church would be planted. Amen. And some writers say that Paul knew uh, some of these uh, members there. I, I, I kind of disagree, not dogmatically, but I disagree that he may have known folks there. Because as I stated, years went by before Paul wrote this, uh, this book. Amen. I, I believe, as others have stated, that he may not have known folks that were there, but yet he was in correspondence with them. Man, he was writing to them and keeping up as to what was going on there. Amen. And just to briefly go through the first uh, verses from 8 to 13, we'll just hit those real quick before we get to where I want to concentrate on, which is verses 14 through 16 or 17. So in verse 8, amen, Paul, Paul starts off by just saying, I'm thankful. He says, I'm thankful. Paul wrote them and said in verse eight that they were not only the talk of the town, they were the talk of the world, amen, of the known world at that time. You guys started a church in the capital city of the most powerful place on earth. I'm thankful and I'm happy. I'm happy. I understand that challenge. I've been, I've been doing these missionary journeys and everything else. I understand that challenge. And I thank God that you all had the, had the heart and the faithfulness to begin service, to begin church there. Amen. And Paul goes on to say to them in verse nine, he tells them that he's been praying for them, right? He said he's been praying for them. He's praying for them. And he's not only been praying for them fervently, but frequently. Amen. Why? Because he's a servant. He goes on in verse nine to say, for God, whom I serve and my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Paul has a servant heart. He has a servant heart, and he, and this motivates him to pray for these folks. He understands their situations. He's been living their situations, amen, and he understands what's going on and what it takes, and he has been praying for them, and he says, I, you know, I'm not, I don't have anybody uh, humanly here that I can point to uh, to, to witness that I've been praying, but I'm telling you, God is my witness that I've been praying for you all. Amen. And when folks ask us to pray, one writer say, and then we walk away saying, I'm going to pray for you. God is our witness that we have not prayed if we don't. Amen. So pray. <laughs> you tell somebody that you're going to pray for them, pray for them. Amen. And in verse 10 tells us that uh, 
if it's been, uh, if it'll be God's will, rather, if it'll be God's will, he was going to come and see them. He goes and says, always in my prayers, making requests, if perhaps now at last by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to see you. You see how he wanted to come? He wanted to come, but he, but but stuff kept getting in the way that succeed that word succeed suggests that Paul was trying. He had been trying to come to see them, but stuff just kept coming up, right? Stuff just kept coming up. And, 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 and what it was, it was God's will. If it's God's will, see, this shows, this shows Paul's submissiveness. If it's God's will, I'll come, but I, and, and I'm doing his will. <laughs> and it's about his will. So if it's God's will, I will make it to you all. But understand, I want to come. I want to come and see y'all. I, I, I know you guys are doing a good work. And of course, in verses 11 and 12, Paul uh, communicates that it is, it's, it's, it's not necessarily about sharing spiritual gifts, as, as it's pointed out in 1 Corinthians verses, uh, chapters 12 and 14, but it's more about Galatians 5. He wants to share the gift, right? The gift, right? That fruit of the spirit, right? He wants to share love with them, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He's talking about that, that fruit of the spirit that he wants to share with them. Also, spiritual gifts as well right? Also, but he wants to make sure he has, he gets it all. He wants to get it all in. In other words, he's trying to say that iron sharpens iron here, right? I'm not just coming and tell, you know, you know, tucking at my, the waist of my pants, like, yeah, I'm the apostle. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, y'all gonna learn from me. No, no, he was like, I want this thing to be mutual, right? You got gifts, I got gifts, Everybody got gifts and we can go ahead on and edify one another. Amen. We can benefit one another. Who wouldn't want some, some good old fellowship, right? With some love and joy and peace and kindness in there. That's, that's good stuff. And he wanted to be a part of that good stuff that was going on. Paul is stating that, yes, I'm, a, I'm an apostle, but I come before you with gratitude first. He starts off in verse eight. I come with a grateful heart, a servant's heart with humility. And I'm explaining to you all that I want to come in and see you. I'm not taking it for granted that, that I have not seen you. And, and, and I want to explain and let you all know that I want to come and see you. This quarter, in the editorial portion of the expositor, if you ever read that. It was an awesome editorial uh, article that uh, the author uh, wrote. And, and, and what he said is that you can't love God as you should and not love people. You can't love God as you should and not love people. Sharing our faith, he says, he says, sharing our faith, and I quote him, sharing our faith is more a matter of passion and motivation 
than it is knowledge. You hear that? Sharing our faith is more a matter of passion and motivation than it is knowledge. See, some of us say, I don't know what I'm going to say if I open my mouth and, and, and all of a sudden I want to go and witness. I don't want to sound foolish. No, 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 no. He says, sharing our faith is more uh, about passion and motivation than it is knowledge. He goes on to say, it's not about IQ, but MQ, <laughs> right? Your motivational quoting, <laughs> right? It's not about IQ more than it is MQ, amen? The article goes on to say, how can you cultivate this? How can you cultivate a passion for people? How, how do you do that? Well, well, they gave you three suggestions. He says, praying for them. Praying for people. It's as simple as praying for people. Amen. I, I read a quote by D.L. Moody this week, and it said this. He said this. He says, I must speak to God about man before I speak to man about God. You hear that? You hear that? I must speak to God about man before I speak to man about God. Amen. And, 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 and it's interesting because it goes back to what uh, Elder Williamson, you know, and he, he had the gift of, of giving. <laughs> he was just a, such a, a, a giver. And he says, you know, you can't do for people and not feel for them. You can't do for folks and give to them and pray for them and not feel for them. You can't, because see, when you're investing yourself in them, you can't help but love them. <laughs> you can't help but have something, you know, like their best interest at heart. Do you notice that the more you do for folks, the more you care for them as well? I mean, take your children, the more you do for them and you do for them and do, and, and, and all of a sudden it's that connection there and, and you and, and that love and that connection is built up just because you are pouring yourself into them. Amen. And that's what this is about as well. When you pray for somebody and they're on your heart and they're on your mind and you're praying for them, it's going to get, it's going to get, give you, get you a passion for their well-being. Amen. And you're going to, you're going to, you're going to be about their well-being. You want to know that they are okay. If you didn't prayed for them, you're not praying that they uh, uh, be demised. <laughs> you're praying for the better of them. And sometimes, guess who God will use to answer that prayer? You. Amen. And then the other thing it says is cultivate relationships with those outside the faith. That's what he says. Cultivate relationships with those outside the faith. Have lunch with a tax collector. <laughs> right? Have lunch with a sinner. Oh, my. Here's what's revolutionary. Have, have, have lunch with a drunkard. Oh, my goodness. Right? How about someone that, you, how about someone that uses dope? <gasps> you see what I'm saying? But, but when you do, 
he also says, keep in mind that they can sniff out your judgmental spirit. <laughs> right? So when you do have lunch, they can sniff out that judgmental spirit if you got one where you don't forget how God brought you through. <laughs> and then you come and you step their way and, and they can sniff out that, you know, so you think you better than me type of thing. Amen. So when you do have lunch with a sinner and a tax collector and all that, make, make sure that you come understanding that at the cross, the, the ground is level. Amen. He goes on to say, he, then he goes on and says this. He says, go on a mission trip. <laughs> That's radical, right, for some folks. But what he was saying basically is get out of your comfort zone. Get out of your comfort zone and, and, and do something for someone. Right. And this is how you cultivate an attitude, a, 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 a passion for people. You are an evangelist for you are obligated to be ready to preach the gospel unashamed. Amen. We understand a bit more about Paul's reasons for such an attitude of, of, of service and humility and love when we get into his I am's. Right. And, and, and let's get into those just briefly. He goes in and he starts in verse 14. He says, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. Paul is stating that rather feeling like a, 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 a someone that has been freed in Christ. Like I'm free, therefore you better get some for yourself type of attitude. Rather than that, he says, no, I feel, I feel obligated. I feel indebted. I feel some indebtedness here. And most of us immediately when we hear the word in debt, we think of money. But no, this is not a, a, about money. This is an awareness of, of a spiritual indebtedness. Amen. He says, it's not, not money, even though, even though, even though someone paid the price for Paul's sins, amen, paid the price for Paul's sins, and that was Jesus Christ, amen, but yet he says, he says this, he says, I feel obligated, see, I feel obligated, I feel indebted, uh, I remember Paul says, if you look through the scriptures and it's through the letters that he wrote, he says, I remember, I remember being arrogant. I remember my arrogance. And I, and I remember, see, I, my father was a Pharisee and I was a Pharisee too, a Pharisee of the first order. I remember my arrogance, right? And I was taught by the best. I was taught by the best and I was educated in the best places and everything else. And all it led up to is me being an educated murderer. That's what it led to. It just, I was prejudiced and I had hate in my heart because I had hate in my heart for all those who did not believe in my religious stance. Because if you did not believe like I believe, I, I couldn't stand you. You canceled, exactly. Cancel culture. Talk about cancel culture. I, could, I, can't, I, I can't stand you. I couldn't stand you. I remember being like that. I remember being so hateful that I went after Christians. 
not only did I uh, go after them, but I was putting them in jail. And, and, and check this out. My hatred led not only to persecution of Christians, but it led to me being so filled with hate that when Stephen was there and he was being stoned to death, I was the one holding the coats to those who were stoning him. And I was happy to hold those coats. While they stone Stephen or Stephen to death, I remember that. And, and, and probably with Stephen's last dying breath, he was praying for Paul. And Paul said, I remember that. I've got a debt. I've got a debt. I've got an obligation here right? I've got an obligation because when I get to heaven, I got to find brother Stephen and I got to tell him, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, but you know what? You died for Christ. And that was an example for me. And I said, I can die for him too. I'm obligated to snatch somebody out of the fire as well. I am obligated, obligated. I got, I got an obligation here to go and love somebody just the same. Amen. Paul said, I'm obligated. And you know that it was all in his thoughts because in Romans 5 and 8, he says, but God demonstrated his own love towards me, towards us. And that while I was yet out there sinning, right, he died for me, <laughs> And, and, and then in Romans 13, 8, he says, oh, nothing to anyone except to love one another. He says, I owe love. Why? Because in 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. See, that's the obligation. This obligation comes from love. I'm obligated. Can you look at somebody who's lost in their sins and then you can say to them, man, you know what? I was like that too. I was like that too, but I found the answer. I found the answer. Instead of looking at them all raggedy and, and torn to pieces and shred, I, I, can you say, I found the answer. The answer is Christ. I need to tell them. See, and when you have that in you, then it goes to the next one. <laughs> it goes to the next one. I am not only obligated, but I am ready to preach. I'm ready to preach. That's what he says in 15. So for my part, for my part, he said, I don't know about you. <laughs> I don't know about you, but for my part, for my part, I, I, I know the obligation. And if you don't feel the obligation, obligation, I'm letting you know, I feel it. And for my part, I am ready. I am eager. I am eager to preach the gospel. See that, that word eager or ready, it, it has this thing of, of like you, you're leaning in and you, and, and, and you like, it's almost like double Dutch, you know, you just like, you're ready to jump in and you're just trying to, and, and you're just trying to, and, and better yet, I interpret it this way. You ever, you ever hear this, uh, been in a situation where somebody really wants to fight, but the other one is acting like they don't want to fight. 
you know, and, and the one that really don't want to fight, don't want to lose face. So he's like, hold me back. Hold me. Hold, hold me back. Right. They don't want to come and get none. They're like, hold, hold me. Hold me back. And, 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 and if you just gently act like you're not going to hold them back, they, they follow in your hand to make sure you do hold them back. Hold me back. See, see, this readiness is not saying hold me back. This readiness is saying, get out my way, get out my way, move. I am ready to jump in there because I see that obligation. I feel that obligation. I feel that obligation and I am ready. I am eager to preach, right? You know, ACTS, we always say A-C-T, the acronym ACTS is for prayer. And, and it's, an, it's, it's an awesome way to pray. Because acts is like is the A stands for adoration. In other words, you start your prayer, getting getting your getting your mind in the right place, understanding who you're talking to. Adoration. I understand that this is the God. This is the the, the high and lifted up one. There's no one higher than him. And then when you go on talking to him about him, all of a sudden your mind gets in the right place. And then all of a sudden it leads to C, which is confession. Then because you understand that he if he's this high, man, I feel this low. I have to confess myself. I have to confess. And, and to my I got to confess to my awesome God. Just 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 Lord, I've, I've failed. I've, I've missed the mark. I've done this and that. And when you go to that list of all the things that you've missed and you haven't done and your wrong thinking and everything else. And all of a sudden you just think, man, but he forgave me. Then all of a sudden it goes to the T and that gets to Thanksgiving. <laughs> and then the more you understand what you've been forgiven for, man, your prayer gets tougher and it gets more passionate because you're thanking him for all that he's done. I get stuck at Thanksgiving. I get stuck at Thanksgiving. I just thank him for everything he's done for me. And then it crescendos, so to speak, to all of a sudden supplication. And you got to remember to pray for others. Amen. So, so, so this thing is saying, I, I understand the obligation. I understand the obligation. But that obligation, and when I understand where he's brought, where he brought me from, and, and I understand what he's done for me, I feel that obligation of love. And when I feel that obligation of love, all of a sudden it goes to where I'm ready. I'm ready. I am ready to what? Preach. I'm ready to preach. You know, some people say, I can just live the life. I can just live the life. You know, I don't need to say much. I can just, <clears throat> I can just live the life. You know, what's wrong with that? It's a giving. It's a given that as a believer that you ought to live right. <laughs> it's a given. You ought to live right. People ought to see your good example, right? But one preacher said, People ain't going to make it to heaven on, on, on the fact that you just was a good person. They're going to make it to heaven on the basis of the gospel, right? 
They're going to make it to heaven on the basis of, of the gospel. So it goes back to that IQ, MQ thing once again. Amen. And, 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 and here's the thing. It, it goes, it, it, it could be as simple as this. I, I feel that obligation. I feel that obligation and it makes me want to preach. And then all of a sudden you're up there being a good example. And somebody comes to you and say, man, you always, wow, you always have a smile on your face. You always, it just seems like you're never in a bad mood. You always have a, a smile on your face. Man, um, I mean, what, what's, what's that about? And then you say, no, no, sometimes it ain't always a smile. But, but I tell you, when, 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 when I get in the right headspace and I think about my most important relationship, it gets, I get a smile on my face. Most important relationship. I mean, your, your husband, your wife, your kids. No, no, no. <laughs> my most important relationship is with God. Right. And when I get, you know, and when I understand my relationship that I have going on with God, it just gets me in a right place. It gets me. And that's the smile on my face. And that's what you see. And, and they say, oh, 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 that's preaching. <laughs> that's preaching because it leads to, to, oh, you know, to more questions. And then and you're answering more things. And then you can tell them that 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 Jesus died for them right and, and that's 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 how you you open your mouth yes you live right that's a given you're supposed to live right but we're talking about i am ready to preach here i am ready to preach they need to hear they need to hear right they need to hear and then he goes on to say that 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 i don't care who hears it's for everybody. It's for the rich. It's for the poor. It's for men. It's for women. It's for white. It's for black. It's for smart. It's for not so smart. It's for attractive. It's for un people, right? I don't care who it is. It's for everyone. Everyone. Everyone, and, and and that's what he was talking about. It's for the Jew, it's for the Greek, it's for the it's for the wise and the unwise, it's for the barbarian, you know, and all this. And and that barbarian thing, it was interesting to read that because barbarian wasn't even a word. That was that was the Greeks' way, the educated folks' way of making fun of uneducated people. You know, that, that, that was their version of Ebonics, <laughs> so to speak, right? That was educated people way of, of, of taunting other uh, uh, uneducated people because they said when they talked, it sounds like this, bar, 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 barbarians. See, that's what it was saying, right? And that's how they were mocking them. They said, man, did you hear him talk? Couldn't even understand a bar, 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 barbarian, right? And that's what he's saying. It didn't matter if you're, you're smart or if you're not smart, right? The point is, is that the gospel is for 
everyone. It's for, I am ready to preach to everyone because everyone needs this thing, right? I need to go out there and go. Then he goes on to say that I am not ashamed. In verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He says, I am not ashamed. Ashamed of what? How can you be ashamed if you understand that that love that's, that, that obligates you, that love that God has shown you and it obligates you, what are you going to be ashamed of? You're going to be ashamed of being set free? That's what you're going to be ashamed of? You're going to be ashamed of, of, of being snatched from, from the fire of hell? What are you going to be ashamed of? What is there to be ashamed of? Being rescued? Being delivered? <laughs> being in a place where you were unloved and now you're loved? What is there to be ashamed of? Come on over here and get some of this love. Come over here and get some of this deliverance. I'm not ashamed of the fact that I was delivered. I couldn't help myself. But he delivered me. Come on over and get some of this deliverance. That's what Paul said. I'm going to say, come and get some of this deliverance. Come and get some of this being set free. Come and get some of this, right? Come on over. I'm not ashamed of this. It's, it's the gospel that has power in it, like dynamite power, right? That dynamite power, that power that, that, that is, is more, more powerful than my sins. Because it, it breaks every chain, right? It's more powerful than my sin. This is the power of the gospel. It's more powerful than my addictions. It breaks addictions, right? Come on over here and get some of this deliverance, right? See, I'm obligated because I understand this debt of love that he's given, that he's shown towards me. This love that was shown towards me when my mind wasn't right, when my heart wasn't right. You know the situation that you were in, that he had to come and snatch you out of it. Why are you ashamed of that? I'm going to preach and I'm going to tell folks how good he is, how wonderful he is, how marvelous he is. He's a way maker. He's a deliverer time and time and time again. He's good. I am not ashamed. I am obligated. I am ready to preach. And I am not ashamed. You are an evangelist. Therefore, you are obligated to be ready to preach the gospel unashamed. Paul laid it down. <laughs> he laid it down here and he was just getting started. Just getting started. And I pray that we understand this too. And I pray that we have our own I am's going on. And I pray that we have our own I am's going on of, of being obligated. <laughs> That, that you feel that obligation. And, and guess what? That obligation is not something that is forced on you. It shouldn't be one that you're forced to do. No, no. When, when you experience love and you experience love the right way, all of a sudden, guess what? A, a heart of gratitude comes in. And, and just 
out of pure gratitude, it makes you feel obligated to do something, right? Just that it's not a forced thing. Like I'm obligated, like my arm is twisted. No, it's like gratitude that I understand the debt of love here. And I'm so grateful that I just can't, I can't like do nothing. I can't do nothing. I'm obligated to do something. And what I want to do is, you know, it makes me ready to preach. It makes me ready to open my mouth. Yeah, I'm going to live right. But I need to open my mouth also. Because how can I dare be ashamed of what he's done for me? This gospel, it set me free. It changed my life. It turned me around. How can I be ashamed of that? And this is what we offer today. <laughs> this is what we offer today. And that's why I say time and time again each week, don't let this moment pass you by. Choose ye this day who you will serve. This is an awesome God that we are saying that we implore you to come. And we, we, we beg you to come and, 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 and serve him. And 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 understand just how sweet he is. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. He is good, but you have to taste and see for yourself. Choose ye this day who you will serve. And for those who know him already, I pray that you feel that obligation. <laughs> I pray that you feel the weight of that obligation, and I pray that that obligation, that weight of that obligation, just, just, just make you ready to preach, and it gives you a passion, because ready means passion, too. It gives you a passion for others, and it gives you such a passion that you will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you all, and I'm going to...